0: These are the fabulous Marx Brothers, who created a style of comedy that has never been matched. Their target was the establishment, and they specialised in throwing low blows at people in high places.
1: Hello, this is Matthew Conium, welcoming you to the Marx Brothers Council Podcast, episode 27. Imagine a Marx Brothers compilation best-of highlights type film somewhat in the manner of Harold Lloyd's world of comedy or the crazy world of Laurel and Hardy. Imagine further that the film should feature one sequence and one sequence only from each of the Marxist 13 feature films. Imagine then that you have been handed the task of deciding which bit of which film gets to go in. Jack Lemon once sang, imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try. But there's nothing remotely easy about the agony of selecting and rejecting that would ensue from this mission, should you choose to accept it. And this is the fiendish ordeal to which I've subjected myself and my cohorts for this edition of the podcast. Each of us has made our 13 picks, weeping into our handkerchiefs at the ones that got away, even as we settle happily on the ones that will have immortality bestowed upon them. None of us knows at this point which scenes the others have chosen, nor even what criteria has governed our respective selections. Have we made tactical choices, trying to make each clip complement the others to give flow and proportion to the whole, and to give a fair shake to the team's many gifts and styles? Or have we just gone for the yokes to produce a straightforward greatest hits collection that will leave potential audiences teary-eyed and exhausted? That's what we're about to find out. We could have called the episode Monkey Best List, A Day at the Greatest, or even Go Best. But instead, we've opted to call it A Compilation, A Sandwich, and You. So, without further ado, it's time to find out who my co-hosts are going to be this time, as I open the sealed envelopes with their names inside. This is very exciting. i know about... To open envelope number one. And for those of you listening with your ears only, I'm using an antique Edwardian sterling silver paper knife with a polished tortoise shell handle. And my first co host is a New Yorker who masterminded and starred in the groundbreaking revival of the Marx's Broadway hit, I'll Say She Is, and wrote about it in the book, Gimme a Thrill. He enjoys golf, voodoo, and staring at the underside of bus seats, and his life's ambition is to turn South Pacific into a musical. Put your hands together, your feet apart, and your teeth in a glass of water for Noah Diamond.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs>
1: And joining him is the person in envelope number two. And no, you're wrong. Funny. I thought it was going to be him as well. But it's actually a professional video editor hailing from Chicago, home of the legendary Boston Red Sox and the rarely glimpsed North Carolina Puma. As well as editor and producer of the podcast, he's also a hot tub salesman whose life's ambition is to sell a hot tub. It's Bob Cassell.
3: Hi, everybody. And as usual, there will be a really funny comment inserted here later on. Okay. Now, before plunging into our lists
1: <clears throat> and our discussion, I should point out.
3: You want that in the uh, podcast?
1: <laughs> <clears throat> now, I'll, I'll put it in one of the envelopes. Okay. Um, before plunging, I should point out that the one rule I did insist on and almost instantly regretted, was hmm. that the ordering should be strictly chronological. In other words, we are yeah. not at liberty to put our favorite opening scene at the start or our favorite finale at the end. Um, yeah. I thought that would be too easy, but I didn't quite realize that the alternative would be so hard. The issue... If I was a
3: producer, if I was a producer, that would be a deal breaker for me. Yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah. You
1: know? No, I, I understand. Uh, the issue of introducing the team I solved by deciding we would start with the theatrical agent sketch from The House That Shadows Built, which, though, technically post dating their first two films, uh, derives in its essence from their pre-film theatrical career and since each brother gets his share of the limelight in it and his own individual entrance I thought it would make the ideal opener but that still leaves us with a running order that starts at Paramount and builds up to Love Happy as a crescendo. So... Before we plunge, um, a a few general thoughts. Uh, First, I suppose, is how come there isn't a film like this? I I know, obviously, their work was split over two studios, but that could have been got around. You know, Paramount's world of the Marx Brothers would have had some takers, surely?
3: Well, perhaps not having access to Animal Crackers and only having four of the films uh, put the kibosh on that.
1: Well, unless unless having that reason would have prompted them to get it sorted out.
3: To be honest, I don't even know if there was really a need for one. You know, the brothers really hadn't gone away. Um, a lot of these uh, compilations were done with uh, the long-forgotten silent comedians who people didn't know. But the Marxes were still around. Uh, Groucho was on TV every week. The films were still relatively popular on TV. You know, even Harpo and Chico were still fairly popular on TV guest appearances and so forth. So, you know, the, the brothers were still around. I don't know if they really needed to be reintroduced uh, to an audience.
2: On the other hand, the 90 best minutes of the Marx Brothers would be quite a thing to have all in one place. And, you know, it would have been, in my estimation, and probably that of many of our listeners, the best 90 minutes of comedy available, period.
3: To be honest, though, I'm glad it didn't happen. You know, it forced people to sit through the whole films.
2: You know. Mm. It might have lent itself slightly better to silent comedy um, because there's a further barrier to entry for silent comedy with modern audiences. And taking yeah. the highlights of a silent comedy career and packaging them up with some narration and a new soundtrack, that does seem like a maybe a sounder commercial project.
1: I guess the other thing to bear in mind is that although the plots aren't important they do have plots and so very often if you take a scene out of context it you, you won't quite know what what's happening whereas um Harold Lloyd for instance his, his films lend themselves very well to to having bits taken out of them because they were constructed in that way but uh, yeah I mean it would in a lot of cases you, you would say well this is a great scene but you'd need another one to explain what's happening
3: perhaps the fact that uh universal was controlling the the Paramount films had something to do with it. Maybe they didn't want to really deal with that whole promoting uh, another studio's work. That's a thought,
1: yeah. Because obviously they did the abel and Costello film in 1965, so uh, they were, you know, they were of that mindset. But yeah, maybe they thought it was just a, a free boost to to the other team.
3: And we should note that uh, scenes of theirs were used in other compilations, in the Big Parade of Comedy and That's Entertainment Part Two, I believe it is. So yeah, they were they were in compilations, just not their own.
1: So, did you find this harder than you thought or easier than you thought, or somewhere in between?
2: For me, it depended on what standards I applied. Uh, you left us a pretty wide berth to to come up with our own criteria for making these choices, and I had to decide all right am i going to is it going to be as you said in your intro? Is it just going to be the biggest laughs, the great favorite highlights? Am I going to attempt some um, continuity or variety? Uh, that was challenging. And, I, you know, I think picking the my favorite scene in each film, that's, that's sort of a pleasure. Um, but making it a coherent whole, I sort of gave up on.
3: Yeah, I approached it as if it was an entire film that I had to put together, you know, all the pieces had to fit. Mm. And I wanted to show all the different uh, aspects of the Marxist humor. And I didn't want to have like three scenes in a row without Chico or yeah. back-to-back musical numbers. So that really affected my, uh, my choices along the way.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I, I went at it. But the uh, one problem I had is that I, I didn't want to make sort of token choices. Um, Mm. in other words, I didn't want to get to at the circus, realize that I hadn't included Groucho and Margaret Dumont and then throw Mm. in their scene from that one because it's not very good and I would, Mm. it would have been bad to have left out all the great ones, you know. So I wanted Mm. everything that was in it that represents, a facet of what they do uh i decided had to show that facet at or near its best
3: hey i, I got a question here i'm curious which film was hardest for you guys to uh, pick a scene from
2: a room service oh, i found that the easiest My, yes because there's only one. <laughs> no, yeah. I, we, I suspect we've got the same one for all three but
1: <laughs> yeah
3: for me it was monkey business I'm, giving, I'm tipping my hands here. I probably would have gone with the passport scene, but because the House of Shadows built echoes it so much, I didn't want to really go there. Oh, yes. So I had to go somewhere else. And I'll, I'll go into more detail about why that was harder for me later on.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, as it went along, I, I found all of them – harder and harder because I was trying to accommodate what I'd already decided with the others. And some of them I did go back and change early ones, but I found circus pretty hard and go West, obviously.
2: Um, but
1: also uh, night in Casablanca wasn't easy. I didn't think
2: I should say room service was, it was hard to have to pick a scene from room service, which scene to pick was easy. Mm. Uh, animal crackers was, was difficult if you asked me for a 100 minute highlight reel of the best of the Marx brothers I would just give you Animal Crackers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand it comes early in the chronology so there was there wasn't as much of a need to think about uh, variety and and continuity. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, well I'll I'll start the ball rolling with coconuts then. Um before i decided on house that shadows built at the start i thought it would be easy it would have to be the the scene of the four of them entering and uh uh, meeting in the lobby um but having had the necessity for that taken away i was given slightly more of a of a task than i was expecting um i considered the auction although i i had to bear in mind that a, a lot of people don't really like that as much as i do um similarly the the connecting doors routine i thought um there were later things that did a better job perhaps of of that kind of uh frantic physical humor so i'm afraid in the end i made uh an extremely boring choice and went with with wire duck because i i wanted a i wanted a groucho and Chico scene i didn't want it to be uh any of them after coconuts or animal crackers, uh, and animal crackers I had very firmly booked. So, uh, why a duck it was.
3: Bob? Yeah, I went through a very similar uh, debate on this one. I was really close to picking uh, the why a duck scene. Uh, it's my favorite, actually, of all the Groucho Chico dialogues. But in the end, I ended up going with the uh, opening with the brothers meeting each other for the first time. I just couldn't pass it up. To me, it's the most fun, most energetic uh, scene in the film. We get to see everything we need to know about the Marxes in those couple of minutes. Uh, as much as I love the house that Shadows built, the scene, they're not really interacting. They're not really being their iconic selves. But in this scene, we're really getting to meet the Marxes, And, you know, Harpo comes in and steals the show. We see his entire bag of tricks, giving people his leg, and everything. It's just, it's just hard for me to think of anything else in the film that gives me more enjoyment. So I'm going with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, as I say, that definitely was going to be my my first choice, but I I decided not to purely because uh, it was it was coming in second.
2: Well, I picked the same scene as Bob, and for the oh. same reason. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's the passage in Coconuts that I get the most joy from and it seems the most archetypal. And the, just the fact that it's the four brothers staging this piece of business by themselves, it really feels very much like what it might have been like to see them on stage. My runner-up choice here would be the uh, connecting hotel rooms piece later on, um, because it's so well done, and it's done with such uh, such confidence and brio. And uh, I think, for me, that is my favourite version of that scene that they did on film. But the lobby by a hair.
1: Right. So that's two, two votes for the lobby. So that, that means it's in a very strong fighting position but it would mean if we went for that that uh, there would have to be a good groucho chico scene somewhere else so so i'm putting a, a cautious question mark next to that one as so let's saying. see if we
3: get this straight you're you're like the executive producer you're i'm like i man. am in <laughs> charge yeah it's entirely
1: <laughs> my decision uh <laughs> okay, democracy <Irving>. pa. um <laughs> so let's try animal crackers then and let's start with bob
3: Man, choosing this was like being at the world's best buffet. I could have gone a hundred different ways and anything would have been good. But in the end, I ended up going with the back to back encounters, uh, with Roscoe W. Chandler. First Harpo and Chico on the stairs and then Groucho's great scene. Harpo and Chico just make total mincemeat out of him, uh, you know, stealing his birthmark, stealing his garters and, you know, and how could that be topped? But, uh, Groucho somehow does it, and I think that's one of this is one of Groucho's great moments. It's just two guys sitting around talking for four minutes. It's almost like a you bet your life uh, pre-interview. You know, it's what uh, the Marxes lost once they went to Hollywood. You would not get these extended scenes, so I really savor these and want to appreciate it. So, because we don't really get them after uh, after Animal Crackers.
1: Okay,
2: and Noah. Uh, well, that is hard to argue with, but I chose the strange interlude scene, uh, meaning the the proposal, the bigamy bit uh, leading into the strange interlude piece. Uh, I think I've said before that I think if I had to choose this is my favorite scene in the whole Marx Brothers canon uh, with the small regret that it only has one Marx Brother in it. So I couldn't really give the strange interlude scene to somebody as an example of the Marx Brothers. But as an example of Groucho in this period, uh, I don't think it can be topped. And um, among its great pleasures is the fact that it has this obscure parody element to it. Mm. Um, And yet, I don't think I know anybody who first saw this scene already knowing what Strange Interlude was. And it's obviously not a prerequisite for Mm. enjoying it. And I just find Groucho transcendent and, and beautiful in this scene.
0: Did anyone ever tell you you had uh, beautiful eyes? No. Well, you have. And so have you. He shot her a glance. Has a smile played around his lips. Yes, I don't think I've ever seen four more beautiful eyes in my life. Well, three anyway. Um,
2: so that's my choice. And also it has the added advantage of being a very solid uh, Margaret Dumont scene, um, mm-hmm. the first part of it.
3: So this is a better part of the canon than the canon in the United States? And never mind. I was going to make an at-the-circus joke. Never <laughs> I gotcha. Okay. Forget it, yeah. forget forget it.
2: You tried to make a joke there, but you didn't know it was loaded. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting what you were saying
1: there about it being um, a scene with only one marks brother in it, because I, I presume that, like me, that was something that you were particularly alert to, was that as we went along, uh, they should each get a fair crack. But one, one thing I was surprised at is that I was assuming going in that most of my, my choices, if I didn't think about them would, would favor Groucho. Uh, but when I actually looked at the, the first list I drew up, um, he was actually surprisingly underrepresented and I, and I actually had to go back in and, and Groucho things up a bit, um, which I certainly wasn't expecting. Um, but, uh, animal crackers, um, is one of the ones that I Grouchoed up a bit. Um, I went for the, the, the soiree, the African lecture, um, and Chico's musical spot, and that's that was the main reason for it. Is because it did kill two birds with one stone. There, it got a, 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 a fabulous Groucho monologue, one of his very best, I think. Uh, plus some some Margaret Dumont,
2: plus some some Harpo, and mm. uh,
1: absolutely excellent uh, Chico at the piano.
2: Yeah, that would have been my second choice.
1: So we've got a we've got a three three way tie.
3: Hey, Matthew, I don't know what you were thinking when you came up with this idea, but if you expected us to be screaming at each other about these Paramount. (laughs) uh,
1: (laughs) Well, wait and see. What film are you watching? (laughs) That may happen yet, Um, but probably not for a while. (laughs) Okay, then moving on to monkey business, and we'll start with Noah this time.
2: Well, I picked the opening scene of Monkey Business, I which I love and find beautiful and but I do think if if without the uh, restraint of having to go chronologically, I suspect there's a strong chance we all might have chosen this as the first scene of a Marx Brothers compilation movie uh because it does introduce them in such a, an iconic and hilarious way. Um but even coming in the middle of this uh this Mix, um, I still just love it. the 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 brief scene with the captain and the first mate announcing that there are four stowaways, and then that slow pan into the four barrels. Um, as uh, Adamson and others have pointed out, the actual jokes in this scene are not that strong. Um, it's not the best, most sparkling Marx Brothers dialogue we've ever heard, but the impact of them popping out of those barrels specifically labored. Labeled kippered herring, which seems to me like a a, a nice nod to their origins. Um, I love it, so that's my choice.
3: You know, I'd so love to love that scene because it's so perfect and so iconic in the way it's set up. But the jokes are—it's just too corny for me. I, I can't take the the, the vaudeville ness of it all. It's just—it just doesn't work for me. I just wanted the material to be better
1: uh no surprise that i went for the passports but i i went for the passports in part uh for the same reason that bob didn't which is that we had already had a glimpse of them at the start um i thought that actually would add to it that they would then do that again uh later on in in the film almost like a like a an intended
3: running joke Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah you're right i think i would have put it in had the gag evolved a little bit maybe with a different singer or some twist on it but it was basically the same thing yeah so i passed
1: yeah i mean obviously i was very aware of of that but i i i would have i would have definitely wanted that scene in otherwise and i did i did toss that around and decided in the end that it was uh it was not a not a problem and maybe even a an asset in that it would get a laugh straight away just at hearing that song again other than that um i think it should go in for all the reasons that i've i've always hailed it as as one of if not the favorite of all their routines for me which is that uh, they each uh, are seen to best advantage i think probably never better advantage as far as zeppo is concerned um but uh, there's there's also and obviously we'd go right from from um zeppo um finding the passport right through to the to the uh to the 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 chaos with the in the passport line um it's it's physical it's also slightly musical um, and it's got a, it's got that lovely team spirit in it. And one of the things yeah. I think that is, that is hardest to, uh, to preserve in a compilation like this is, mm. is, is that, that feeling of team spirit, which tends to come at, at ephemeral moments and at, at transitions between scenes and things. But this is, this is a, a full scene, uh, mm. where they are a united front against the world. Mm. Bob.
3: Yeah, I just want to backtrack for a minute and talk about the uh, house that Shadows built scene since we skipped over it a bit. Um, every time I see it, I am just so blown away by, by how integrated Zeppel is into the team there. He just really feels like he's one of the Marx brothers. And, you know, it's, it's just a shame we never saw that, that, that integration at any other point, uh, in their career. You know, it's so wonderful near the end when they're, all riffing, and he breaks out in the mammy. I mean, he's, he has a real persona and a real personality, and he's real cocky here, and I just wish we would have seen that um, again sometime. Um, now, as to my pick here for Monkey Business, this was the toughest one for me because as much as I love the film, there's so many great gags and moments and exchanges. To me, there aren't a really a lot of Great scenes from beginning to end. The laughs are in, you know, little fits, little bunches, but they're not great end to end scenes, uh, at least the, from my perspective. So what I've done here is I've actually just taken a chunk, um, on the deck, uh, when Groucho and Zeppo are encountering, uh, the Briggs arguing, you know, the, your turn, your turn, all that stuff. And then, uh, leading up to where Groucho, uh, pitches himself as the bodyguard to uh, Joe Helton.
0: Now there are two fellas trying to attack you, aren't there? And there are two fellas trying to defend you. Now that's 50% waste. Now, why can't you be attacked by your own bodyguards? Your life will be saved, and that's uh, a that's 100% waste. Now, what do you got? You still got me, and I'll attack you for nothing. Say, what are you getting at? I anticipated that question. How does an army travel on its stomach? How do you travel on a ship? Of course, you're saving your stomach. Now, that same common sense I don't sense. think you realize- Oh, what? I realize it's a penny here and a penny there, but look at me. I've worked myself up from nothing to a state of extreme poverty. Now, what do you say? I'll tell you what I say, I say- All right, then it's all settled. I'm to be your new bodyguard. In case I'm going to attack you, I'll have to be there to defend you too. Now let me know when you want to be attacked and I'll be there 10 minutes later to defend you.
3: And in the middle, we get a nice uh, bit of Harpo chasing a couple of women around the deck. So that's my choice. A nice chunk of monkey business.
1: And it's interesting as well, isn't it? I think a lot of people might have said, uh, well, it's somewhere around in this film, we're going to have to have a... A a classic moment of of just Harpo doing what Harpo does, and they would leap to the Punch and Judy scene. But I think Mm. we're quite unusual in that, that if I remember rightly, uh, we're all not particularly uh, in love with that scene.
3: Yeah, that's actually a good example of what I was talking about before. There there are a lot of good laughs in the scene, but I wouldn't call it a great scene from beginning to end.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it has some very funny things in it and Harpo's performance is as wonderful as always, but overall as a scene its impact is sort of I find it a little loud and grating and um the unexplained aspects of it interfere more than they sometimes do. Um questioning like where's the puppeteer? where's the other puppeteer, you know? And um all those things. Yeah, they seem to get in the way for me in that scene in a way that they often don't.
3: You know my original choice for this, and what I almost went with was the uh too many snoops scene that's a scene, but you know I have a sort of the same yeah. issue with this that I do with the uh uh Tootsie footy ice cream scene, and that it's really great the first time you see it uh, to watch it unfold, but I'm not sure it really holds up to repeated viewings mm-hmm. and I guess that shouldn't really matter in a compilation like this, which is m- basically going towards the novice fan but I don't know, maybe the scene has lost a bit of its luster for me. I I enjoy it, but I I can't really uh, uh, sell it as a classic.
1: Okay, Horse Feathers is one of the ones that I changed my mind about the most. Um, My first feeling um, was to do something quite surprising, perhaps, uh, and go for... Um, Zeppo singing Everyone Says I Love You, um, segueing into Harpo's harp version of it. Um, I decided originally to do that because obviously at some point I wanted a Harpo moment on the harp. And also I thought this was going to be kind of the make or break chance to, uh, to get some Zeppo in. But then with the shadows built and with the, um, passports, I thought actually, you know, Zeppo's probably getting, uh, a fairer shot in this compilation than he than he does in any single Marx Brothers movie. So, I <laughs> yeah. I relieved myself of the of the need to uh, to to look out for him to to give him some 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 extra help. Um, and then um, it was around about this point when I was I'd done a couple more. I realised that in actual fact there was far less. Groucho than I, than I would have realized, would have thought, and, and certainly would have wanted. Um, and I wanted a Groucho song. I knew that much. And I didn't really want, um, Lydia. And I knew I, I wouldn't get very far pitching, uh, sing while you sell. And, um, Hello, I must be going had gone. Animal Crackers had gone. So I went for, um, the opening scene with, um, whatever it is, I'm against it.
0: Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles I'm opposed to it. Uh it.
3: Well actually this was one of my easier choices, and I've picked something here that I don't think necessarily is the best scene in the film, but it's certainly my favorite. And it's uh, uh, Chico's uh, singing lesson with uh, Thelma Todd uh, with Groucho and the peanut gallery giving cracks. We get the great nonsense song Chico sings. It's pretty much the one time he sang. I wish he would do it, would have done it a lot more.
4: Everyone says I love you. The great big mosquito when he sting you. The fly when he gets stuck on the flight paper too says I love you. Every time the cow says moo, she's uh, a-making the wolfy very happy too. And the rooster when he holler-cocky-goolly-doolly-doo says, I love you. Christopher Columb, Bobby, write the Queen of Spain a very nice little note. And he's right all over you maybe, and then he gave himself a great a big boat, he's a wiser guy, what do you think, Colombo? do, when he's a come here in 1492, he said to Pocahontas that you fight you, you that means you little son of a gun, I love you.
3: <laughs> and, you know, he has great chemistry with Thelma, you know, they're, they're tickling each other, it's just, it's just a wonderful scene, it's it, it just, I just love it so much, and you know, you're killing two birds with one stone here, actually, because you get a nice Chicoa piano solo at the end. So this was an easy choice for me.
1: And it's and uh, my list actually. Now you say that doesn't doesn't have Thelma in it, which you know would have been possibly uh, much more permissible a few, a few years ago than than now. I think her her mm-hmm. stock has risen massively. Um, you know, as as. Uh, the, the dumont uh the Dumont standing in those two films, and I think maybe there would be some some controversy about a, a film that, that didn't a compilation that didn't make room for her anywhere so that is uh, that is a persuasive choice no
2: well my list is very groucho heavy uh, i i ran a foul of exactly the problem you mentioned earlier, Matthew. And for that reason only, I did not choose the same scene you did. Uh, the, the opening scene with Groucho's kind of two songs in one, uh, that, that, that was my, my first thought. Um, and I do notice my list does not have a Groucho singing, uh, appearance in it. Um, I chose the speakeasy scene in Horse Feathers, um, beginning with the Groucho and Chico password piece, uh, which I think is top drawer, uh, and then going into the scene set inside the speakeasy, uh, where particularly Harpo has so many wonderful uh, gags, and that scene is a real triumph for Harpo.
4: Hey, what do you have? You take a scotch. Right. Cut the cards.
2: Uh, I think it really conjures up the feeling of the early Marx Brothers films, too, very well. The kind of the disordered chaos of that speakeasy scene, yeah. the location that isn't very convincingly realistic. It's just the Marx Brothers living in a world engineered to set them up for gags. Um, and it. Ha- I think it typifies the paramount messiness, too. Uh, so that's my choice, the speakeasy scene in Horse Feathers.
3: Let me just interject here that I might have gone for the Connie Bailey apartment scene had it had it existed in its full <laughs> original glory, I, but I couldn't even consider that. It's just a it's just this black hole. Every time I watch the film, well, it would it be does. a good chance to yeah. slip your version in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you.
1: <laughs> did Did any of you notice that that it, the job of selecting a you know a chunk a sketch um, was was easy enough for the for the first two? Um, is not so easy for the, the remaining Paramounts and then gets easy again at MGM when they suddenly go back to partly, I suppose, because of the way it was written, the way the films were written. Um, and in some cases, uh, roadshowed, uh, yeah. that the MGMs go back to, to chunks like right. almost like Broadway plays in the way that the first two are, but Monkey Business, yeah. Horse Feathers and Duck Soup, um, are much more cinematically structured and it's, it's harder to, to pull a chunk out.
3: Yeah, it's interesting how so many great moments we think of uh, from Horse Feathers and actually Duck Soup too are actually just short moments, like thirty, forty seconds, like the Speakeasy door. Yeah. It's, a, it's a real short scene. Which is
1: certainly a problem that, uh, that 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 comes to light with with my choice for for Duck Soup. But we'll start with you, Bob.
3: Oh no, it's already walked out, and Matthew <laughs> might walk out by the time. I'm <laughs> There's so many great scenes, for me, so many great scenes to choose from. uh, Ciccolini and Pinky reporting the Trentino. I mean, I just love that. But uh, um, I love everything with Edgar Kennedy, and I know that's going to upset some people. (laughs) And Duck Soup has my favorite finale of any of their films. But in the end, I would be doing fandom a disservice if I didn't give the people what they want, and that is to go with the mirror scene and what leads up to it. I'm going to start with you know, Margaret Dumont calling... Groucho and them all disguising themselves as uh, Groucho and ending with the mirror scene. I, I, I just think you have to go there. I think anybody who has seen Duck Soup in front of, with an audience knows that that's going to get the biggest laugh.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Now, let me let me ask you guys this. Do you think Zeppo felt particularly left out since he was the one most capable of imitating Groucho that the, they didn't even find <laughs> a part for him in this scene?
1: Uh, never thought of that, but yes. Yeah. Ah. But yes, I mean, he could have been somewhere in, involved in 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 that in that scene in that house, and then uh, you know, Chico could have come on from the right, and he could have come on from the left, couldn't he? No.
2: Well, I, I also chose the mirror scene. I think what this tells us more than anything. Matthew, is that your two co-hosts are secure. We know you love us. <laughs> and we feel like we can make this choice without fracturing the, uh, the relationship among the hosts here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I've been all over the map on the mirror scene, really. from In the early days of loving the Marx Brothers, I went along with the general opinions about it being brilliant. Uh, then exposed to your dissenting opinion, Matthew, I reevaluated it. It did, it did slip a few notches, um, in my estimation because of your very cogent criticisms of it. But I've sort of come back around on it. And I think, although it is undeniably true that it is, it's a very poor sample if you're trying to convey to someone what the Marx Brothers are all about. It is indeed uncharacteristic of them. Uh, But it is so impressive. It is genuinely funny. It, I've never seen it not uh reduce an audience to tears. Um And it's got so many good ideas in it. In preparing for this episode, I watched a few of the other versions of that routine that other comedians have done. And it's interesting to compare them. You know, the Marx Brothers, or in this case, Groucho and Harpo, you could make an argument that they're not as technically proficient as some of the others, Chaplin and Renée Claire. Mm-hmm. who who are these, you know, balletic physical clowns. Um, and yet, the Marx Brothers version seems so much more complex and so much more advanced because of the great ideas in it. Um, I know some of those ideas might have come from McCary. But, you know, Groucho dropping his hat and Harpo handing it, uh, vice versa, Harpo dropping his hat and Groucho handing it to him. Um, the way it becomes, uh, uh, again, it's a point that Adamson made better than anybody that by the end of that scene, the trick has become, what could Harpo possibly do that would not make Groucho <laughs> think mm-hmm. he was his mirror image? Yeah. Um, did you mean Rene
1: Claire there or Max Linder? <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, absolutely right. Max Linder.
1: Yeah, well, this this one ended up being my most sort of uncomfortably... Uh, tactical obligation choice um my <laughs> originally i just went for my favorite which was um well it was a choice between between groucho and zeppo and uh, take up the tax or um Chico and Harpo and Trentino and I went for for Trentino because it was longer and because there were more there were more good jokes in it um but actually when I when I looked at the finished list there was a lot of there was a lot of Harpo and Chico about more than I was expecting not as much Groucho so I changed my mind on that and then for a long time um you're going to have to sit down and strap yourself in here but I also uh had the mirror down as as my choice um basically for for the, for the reasons that you've just given one that it's that everybody loves it it's a certain crowd pleaser uh you know and far be it from me to uh to rain on anyone's uh enjoyment by by grumbling in the corner um about really far be it <laughs> well <laughs> slightly far be it um but um also, because, you know, they do, it is absolutely true, and I've never denied that they do transfigure it with, with things that only they would do, specifically, um, you know, giving the game away. Unambiguously, but continuing as if as if it was just now at this point, uh, fun for both of them when they when they swap hats, when they switch places in the mirror, uh, they mm. actually you know t- turn around, um, stuff like that, and then obviously we're, we're that 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 strange kind of louche confidence with which, a Chico strolls on at the mm-hmm. end, uh, thinking you know I I might be able to help out here is kind of the the vibe you get from him. Um, so so I was I was happy to. Uh, to, to to swallow my pride and go with that, and then I just realised that apart from um, a little bit in Animal Crackers, I I hadn't got any good Groucho and Dumont. So for that reason only, I substituted um, their first scene, uh, the the dialogue between Groucho and Dumont when when Groucho arrives.
5: The future of Fridonia rests on you. Promise me you'll follow in the footsteps of my husband.
0: How do you like that? I haven't been on the job five minutes and already she's making advances to me. Not that I care, but where is your husband?
5: Why, he's dead.
0: I'll bet he's just using that as an excuse.
5: I was with him till the very end.
0: No wonder he passed away. I held him in my arms and kissed him. Oh, I see. Then it was murder. Will you marry me? Did he leave you any money? Answer the second question
1: first.
4: He left me his entire fortune.
0: Is that so? Can't you see what I'm trying to tell you? I love you.
1: Okay, so at this point, then um, we have a a significant change of mood, um, which uh, signifies the fact that we we now move from Paramount to MGM, and to a night at the opera, and to a film that is more more lavish than uh, anything they'd done before. I wondered if maybe there should be some sort of indication of that here in the choice, but I found in the end that that made it too hard. And so I didn't. But I I wonder if if you felt the same thing uh, and felt the same kind of obligation. So let's let's start with you, Noah.
2: Uh, I went with the contract scene. Uh, It's maybe the easiest and most obvious choice, Uh, but um, it's excellent. I think it's, you know, uh, among the two or three best uh, groucho Chico encounters anyway. Um, And also for this kind of film, which might be a good way to introduce people to the Marx Brothers, uh, the contract scene seems to me an excellent entry point because it has all the things that make the Marx Brothers uh, special, but at the same time, it plays very much as a comedy scene, uh, a comedy routine. Um, You know, it operates on its own premise. It has its own logic and illogic. Uh, and of course both performances are flawless.
0: The party of the second part should be known in this contract as the party of the second part.
4: Well, I don't know about that.
0: Now what's the matter?
4: I don't like the second party either.
0: Well, you should have come to the first party. We didn't get home till around four in the morning. I was blind for three days.
4: Hey, look, why can't the first part of the second party be the second part of the first party? Then you've got something.
0: Well look, uh, Rather than
4: go through all that again,
1: what do you say? Fine. Um, I originally went for the contract scene as well. I changed my mind only when I, I did some reordering and, and ended up putting in uh, wire duck for, for the coconuts. But if that comes out, um, then I think the case for, for changing my mind and, and going back to the contract scene for opera becomes uh, possibly uh, inarguable. Um, I did consider the crowded stateroom, which I think many people would would, would think would be an absolute Shoe in Um, I didn't think it was quite uh, strong enough to to justify that. Um, For a long time, I thought it might be nice, because we're at this kind of halfway point, to have something um that was that was very elaborate and to kind of come in with a bang. Um and maybe, although we're only halfway through the movie, uh, go with with some of the opera destruction at the end, particularly uh, you know, the very early stages where where it first goes into take me out to the ball game and Groucho comes in selling peanuts and and then going going right through to Harpo destroying the opera um i knew that might create a a problem with anti-climax afterwards but i i thought at this halfway point it would be good i changed my mind for probably a too pedantic reason which is that although that scene is easy to to get and extremely funny without any backstory in a sense um it would be deceiving the audience to not have backstory although it doesn't really matter and you can certainly get the point of what they're doing um to to present it seeming as if they were doing it for no reason at all although quite possibly making it funnier um it wouldn't be playing fair by the film i thought so for that that Possibly absurdly uh, tail chasing reason, I, I ruled it out, and in the end, I went for the aviator speech um, because it's it's good Harpo, it's good Chico, and and visually it's just interesting because they've got those those silly beards on and and funny uniforms. So so visually, it's a, it's a cha- kind of a change of pace, um, and I also knew or thought I knew that there wasn't going to be a lot of Chico happening from here on. So, um, for those incredibly convoluted reasons, um, I went for the aviator's speech.
4: So now I tell you how we fly to America. The first time we started, we get a halfway across when we run out of gasoline, and we got to go back. Then I take a twice as much gasoline. This time we were just about to land, maybe three feet. When what do you think we run out of gasoline again? And the back we go again and get more gas. This time I take a plenty gas. Well, we get a halfway over. When what do you
3: think happened? We forgot of the airplane. Oh. Well, I'm going to throw a curveball here, and I'm going with uh, the scene in um, the dressing room where Harpo gets the crap beat out of him. Ah. Because I, uh, yeah. no, I'm not doing that. What are you guys <laughs> like- no, no. Uh, you know, once again, I, I can't, I can't <laughs> fathom uh, putting together a film like this and not including the stateroom scene but i'm going to do it with the caveat that you have to start it earlier you can't just start do it when the uh, people start piling in you have to start i i'm starting it when groucho comes to the cabin and opens up the uh his trunk and sees harpo sleeping in there and the mm-hmm. guys are in there and you know and then leading to the uh, ordering of the food because all that momentum is leading to what makes the stateroom scene so great when everybody starts crowding in Somebody has it in the book. Was it you, Matthew, or Adamson, or somebody does? The people are already laughing when that stateroom scene is beginning, when people are starting to crowd in there. So you can't just start it. There, you have to lead into it, and I, yeah. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this film without putting the manicure in there. You guys know anything about me? Okay. Jesus. You, can, you, okay. Can have, you can have the mirror or
1: the stateroom. You're not having both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm even,
3: I, and I'm even insulted that you guys uh, even asked me what scene I put in. Okay. Or, or, or that we believed you when you said yeah. you were going to up Harper having the crap beaten out of him. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we both went.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Interesting choice, Bob. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: um, I mean, okay. go you up. Know. I was going to mention that Bob thought it was Sunday today. So what? But, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Our listeners don't know that
1: it's true yeah <laughs> this is this is a wednesday bob thought it was sunday all bets are off <laughs> uh, and and hey as just for a segue speaking of bets uh we're off we're off to the races um this is again one of those films where the choice is so obvious you know it had to be the mirror it had to be the stateroom and it has to be Tootsie for a ice cream but i just don't like it all that much. And it is also very, very long. I think at this point in the film, um, you're probably wanting... Uh, to pick up the pace a bit, and, and I was mm. I was surprised at you know at, at how measured that scene is, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, if for yeah. MGM, it's it's a good thing. It's a coconuts, animal crackers type thing, um, but it's it's very obviously something that has been honed on the on in front of live audiences, and it has a has a live audience pace, um, and it wasn't a big favourite of mine. Um, and so um, I went for for Margaret Dumont's examination because it's very physical. Because I hadn't included uh, the very physical moment from from uh, scene from *Night at the Opera*, I went for a, a wordy one there. So I thought, okay, let's let's have a bit of knockabout. Um, the, the scene I like the most in the film, which is groucho uh, phoning the Florida Medical Board, I thought, um, would seem a little bit, um, orphaned without its context. Um, but the examination, although we don't know the context, um, I think comes across much, much easier. Uh, again, all three of them are, are very funny. There's some, some very good, uh, repetition humor, which I love with the washing of, washing of the hands. Uh, we get a bit more Margaret Dumont and also, we get Sig Ruman, uh, and I think I was very, very naughty to not include Thelma Todd, So I'm not going to make the same mistake again and not include Sig Ruman. So I went for Margaret Dumont's examination.
3: Bob, mm-hmm. well, the last two films I've been talking about how you got to give the people what they want. Well, I'm changing my tune here because I'm not going with the Tootsie frutti, which is probably what people want, but I'm not. I'm not letting them have that. I'm going to go with the uh, uh, Groucho's date with Flo. And the uh, and the dinner and the interruptions in the wallpapering. I just think it's you know, it, it's a little by the book uh, comedy scene, but I just think it's well done. Great great energy. Um, I really couldn't find anything else in the film that I I liked I liked more. So so I'm going with it, going with that.
1: So I think you went for that basically for the same reasons then that i went went for the examination that it that it's you know it's, it's very physical there's lots of energy in it mm-hmm. um just g- given the choice i think there's more there's more kind of inventiveness in the examination i'm not i i do like the other scene i don't have a problem with it but i just think you know there are other people who can throw wallpaper paste about and we don't really need to see that i mean yeah admittedly harpo's bucket is on his head like a hat mm-hmm. that, that's yeah. that's good <laughs> don't get me wrong <laughs> um, but but all the same, you know.
3: Yeah, but that's just the, the, you know that's just the end of the scene. It's not a big part of it. Sure, it goes on sure, quite yeah. a while. There's a lot of you know there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, when, when they it. when
1: they come in yeah. like detectives and you know Harper's yeah. got the deer stalker on and that. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point.
2: And Groucho's thank
3: yous. Yeah, yeah
1: and the tin of soup and all that.
3: Yeah. Actually, I think this full scene is a little underappreciated, uh, perhaps because it comes so late enough. Pretty long film. And, you know, people are still waking up after the water carnival scene. So (laughs) maybe it doesn't get the full attention it deserves.
1: Yep.
2: Uh, I found A Day at the Race is one of the harder movies to pick a scene from, which is uh – surprising or was surprising to me anyhow, uh, partly because, you know, I I consider it and I think most consider it a fairly middling Marx Brothers movie, or at least not so crammed with comic gold that it should be uh, the most difficult choice on this list. Uh, But it was tough. It seemed to me that I wasn't going to choose Tootsie Fritzy, but I deliberated a lot among uh, the Groucho Florida Medical Board phone call the Harpo examination, the Dumont examination, and the date with Flo. Um, And at various times I had all of those on my list. I wound up landing on the Groucho switchboard scene um, simply because compared to those others, I think it is, uh, the most comedically brilliant and it's the one that will most reliably make me laugh out loud after hundreds of viewings. Um, and it is, although in some ways uncharacteristic, uh, definitely a, a virtuoso performance for Groucho. Um, but that's a hard choice to make, um, uh, day at the races. I, I did think that the, um, the date with Flo, although in some ways it is the Day at the Race's version of the running in and out of rooms uh, scene that pops up in so many of their films, measured against the other versions of that scene, it it loses something. It doesn't really have any kind of uh, structure or momentum uh, pulling you through the scene <laughs> the, the way the dogs pull Harpo through the scene.
1: Um, yeah, I, I certainly... Um agree with everything you you say about that that phone call scene you said it was maybe not particularly um the the most representative but it's interesting isn't it because it is certainly my favorite scene in the film yeah um it's probably the least representative scene of the film it's the one that is most uh, that sits most uncomfortably in the structure of a day at the races, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, which yeah. which kind of says something, I think, about about the the, the Thalberg, uh, rules that uh, this, this sequence where um, you know Groucho the really the only sequence where Groucho is completely um, letting his instincts override his common sense <laughs> um, yeah. should be should be such a, a standout favorite.
2: Yeah, it's it's very uh, like the mirror routine and and other things in the post Paramount Marx career. Um, it's it's a scene that could have been played by another comedian.
3: Could have been W. C. Fields.
2: Yeah, Fields could have done it absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a very specific tactic Groucho is using to address this situation about his credentials, uh, as has often been pointed out by you and others, Matthew. That Groucho. It's self-defeating. I mean, he doesn't simply give himself a positive recommendation and, and yeah. move on with the plot. So, to,
1: And Groucho could have, could have you know, the, the film could have ended there. He could have, you know, the, <laughs> he could have got exactly what he needed and everything would have been sorted out.
2: But also, as with the mirror scene, it does have these flourishes to it that couldn't have come from any, anywhere else. And, um, you know, Groucho not bothering to insult Whitmore the way he normally would, or the way he does just in the preceding scenes in the movie, uh, that is what feels uncharacteristic. Uh, On the other hand, that Colonel Hawkins character, uh, that is one of the five or six (laughs) funny voice or dialect tricks in in the Groucho briefcase, and uh, (laughs) I I love hearing him do that. Reggie Department, Colonel Hawkins talking. Uh, Colonel Hawkins,
0: did you get a wire from me regarding Dr. Hackenbush? I'm sorry, sir, but there's a hurricane blowing down here, and you'll have to talk a little louder. Woo! It's rainy, the windiest day we ever did
1: have. Um, okay, so we come now to, to room service and to a prediction, which is that despite uh, despite our differences up until now, and without me having the smallest uh, tip-off as to what as what... Bob and Noah have chosen, I'm going to put my reputation on the line here and say that we've probably all chosen
3: the same bit from room service. So let's start with Bob. Yeah, I wish I had a more clever approach to this, but you know, <laughs> the only scene in this film that really feels like a Marx Brothers scene in context and out of context is them devouring that dinner and Harpo Wolf and those potatoes down. You know, there are other funny moments, but nothing else really feels like a marx the scene at least out of context or would work in this type of a uh, compilation film <laughs>
5: mm-hmm.
1: uh no surprise me and tell me you haven't chosen the same bit
2: <laughs> uh, you know not only would i love to be able to do that I, I struggled to i looked at room service i didn't rewatch the whole movie but i went through it i tried very hard to develop an argument for what we might call the funeral scene um at which I thought was the only other possible candidate, uh but looking at it it just doesn't outside the context of the plot it yeah. it doesn't have any comic weight to it really, and truthfully, even in the context of the plot uh, it doesn't have that much, so yeah it's the eating scene, although I have to say, although as as our room service episode of this podcast demonstrates, I think we all have a slightly higher opinion of room service than than popular opinion um it is almost impossible to take anything out of it and hold it up as an example of the Marx Brothers' work, as we discovered when we did our Groucho Chico episode and found there wasn't even like a two-minute section of room Mm. service with them talking to each other that we could nominally include. So I don't even think the eating scene is a hilarious, perfect Marx Brothers gold out of context, but it's the only possible choice.
1: Well, there is, there is one other possible choice, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that neither of you went for it, which is the, uh, the, the turkey. turkey. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is at least a possible choice. But no, I, I, would you believe it? I didn't go for the turkey. Um, I'm, I, 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 like room service a lot more than, than most people do. And there are lots and lots of parts of it that I enjoy a lot. Um, but, but context, is everything and and it is impossible to convey i think uh you know the the epic ep- ep- scene or the you know the the, the funeral at the end particularly the, the the bit at the end where harpo's corpse comes on in the middle of the play i think that's a lovely rousing ending um but but you know there's this, there's just no way in an extract to uh, to get that across so yep i'm afraid i also went for, for the eating scene what i hoped Um, and this is the sort of thing I think that, that Bob probably thinks about more than the rest of us per se. Um, what I really hoped was that I could have chosen a scene from races that ended with, with some good music that I would then carry over to, to just a, just a, a, you know, a little, a few seconds of that eating scene still, still uh, with the music from the previous scene going on because it doesn't, it doesn't really, even that scene doesn't really deserve to be, you know. A, it's more of an interlude, I think, between between races and uh, and circus. So, mm-hmm. so not even the whole scene, you know, not the the whole preamble, you know, just the the, the absolute bare minimum of of uh, of that meal coming in and them all all devouring it
3: yeah well you bring up a good question here about the transitions between these scenes i mean do you do you envision like a narrator like maybe setting up some of these scenes who would the who would your narrator
1: i well i didn't envision a narrator because i because i always think of of the of the ones in those those 1960s films (laughs) which you know although they have a certain uh, a certain uh, period charm um Mm. uh, are not really best serving the material i think um but of course that doesn't mean that that You know, these days we couldn't find someone a bit better, you know, me or someone like that, you know, to to do it. (laughs) Um, But no, I I must admit, I I hadn't thought in terms of narrator, no. I thought of just a seamless patchwork of material. Did did you have any thoughts on that now?
2: I didn't, um, I, it actually hadn't even occurred to me when I was making my list, uh, of the idea of imposing, uh, narration or, or, uh, continuity.
3: I just thought that some of them might need like a little setup, like, you know, here, Chico and Harpo want to break up this date with Flo, you know, setting up why, what, what's mm. going on.
1: Yeah. I mean that would throw open a lot of the things I rejected. Uh You know, would would again become candidates for inclusion if we had that license. I was very much working without it. Um, hmm. Okay, so off to the circus and Noah.
2: Mm. Well, I found myself cheating a little bit at the toward the end of my list, where the films start to get much less funny and it's much harder to extract a scene and hail it as worthy of inclusion. I I heavily favored the musical performances, uh, which after all, especially the instrumentals from Harbo and Chico, there mostly isn't a drop off in quality, Um, with the later films. So you're going to hear a lot of this from me uh, for the rest of this list. Uh, My choice for At the Circus is Chico's piano solo. Um, It's not his greatest solo as a standalone piece, but it's a perfectly charming demonstration of his abilities at the keyboard. And I didn't want to sacrifice any comedy scenes to a, to a piano solo in any of the earlier films. Uh, Although I did come close to choosing the animal crackers uh, salon scene as you did, Matthew. So, so that's my, that's my choice. But in some ways, my choice here was not to make a choice. It it
1: is sort of noticeable, isn't it? That in, in the first ones, we're kind of worrying about what we can bear to leave out. And now we're, we're kind of (laughs) worrying about what we can bear to leave in. Um, But that would be the kind of tactical choice I would be thinking about roundabout now, um, if it wasn't for the fact that I that I'd managed to to sneak Chico in in, in Animal Crackers. Um, I considered the Groucho and Margot Dumont scene before the circus begins, uh, another cup of coffee, and where she gets licked by the giraffe and so on. Um, but in the end, I thought a the the, the strongman's cabin scene really is good and i i've said so many times that you could sneak it into a compilation of paramount material and get away with it in a way that you probably couldn't with any other mgm scene you could you could literally just deceive people into thinking it was a paramount scene so a there was there was that um and b um it it just seemed like a waste to to get to at the circus and leave out the you know the one scene that that, that really stood out as as wildly different. So I th- at that point I went back and took out things like the Trentino consultation from Duck Soup and so on because I I'd envisaged um, not much Chico Harpo fun to come uh, and I and I surrendered to the inevitable and I went for Chico and Harpo. Searching the Strongman's Cabin, because it's wonderful.
3: Yes, that's exactly how I approached it. I mean, I went to this film pretty early on and said, I have to use this scene here. That means I, I, I'm not going to use the Trentino with Chickalini and Pinky scene. I'm not going to use the, the bridge scene from Animal Crackers, which I was tempted to use. You know, this was going to be the one Chico Harpo scene. And, you know, it I was just really a no-brainer for me. Although I was, I was a little, at one point, I was a little tempted, maybe I should... People are going to be shocked here. People Maybe I should use Lydia here. You know, if if, I, if I'm going to put uh, musical performances by the other brothers, I got to have a Groucho mm-hmm. Vocal. I'm thinking maybe you know, even though I'm not a big fan of it, I I was thinking maybe I should do it. But then I sobered up and left <laughs> it. As with my original choice.
2: I toyed with it too. Did you consider Lydia, Matthew?
3: I I did, yeah, but I but I that was when I
1: hit on, you know, th- that decision that I I wasn't going to include something for the sake of it
3: unless it mm-hmm. was a,
1: you know, a really good
3: example. How about this? We'll use Lydia over the closing credits of the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it was at, it was at that point that I thought, right, I really do need to go back and see if I can get a good Groucho song in, and if I couldn't, uh i de- then yes i would have i would have bitten the bullet and gone gone for lydia but because i managed to fit um whatever it is i'm against it in i was relieved to to not have to put it in uh, not that i have anything strongly against it it's you know it's a very funny well written song you know we've been over this territory a lot um but i just wouldn't want that to represent groucho singing because it isn't you know it it is Significantly unlike the other Groucho songs. It's just, it's just a cute, funny song. And all of his other songs, really, or certainly prior to this, um, have some kind of, um, bite to them that that one doesn't. So, uh, so I, you know, I was, I was glad to find room for whatever it is I'm against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Go West. Ah. Now, yeah. this is a film that is so crowded with gems Mm. that it's very very difficult to know which you can possibly bear to leave out um Mm -hmm. i if we're going by the kind of give the people what they want then i guess the first scene is the obvious choice and i suspect i'm being very pedantic for not choosing it. I mean, it is, it is a well-written, well-performed comedy scene. It gets all three brothers on the screen. Um, you know, you're, you're almost tempted to say what's not to like. And my answer to that question is the scene. Um, I, I I just don't. I just don't dig it. Um, it probably should be there. That probably should be the choice. If either of you have chosen that, I will certainly give way. But I didn't in the end. I considered riding the range for a while. I thought we hadn't had a song for for a bit, and it's quite sweet. Um, but there are so many great songs that I hadn't included. Um, I considered the cigar scene. Uh, which I know is a, is a very controversial one. Um, in the end, I surprised myself, partly because I wanted to get Go West sort of out of the way fairly quickly. And I didn't want to, to have it represented by a, you know, a, a really big moment. Um, so I went for the, the short section that probably makes me smile the most. Um And I will have my membership of the Marx Brothers Appreciation Society cancelled for this, but it's, it's where we girls was born, and uh, Louisiana.
5: A toast to where we girls was born. South Carolina. South Carolina. Mississippi. Mississippi.
4: Mississippi.
5: Louisiana.
4: Louisiana. Hey, I thought these girls were sisters.
0: They are, but their mother lived in a trailer.
3: <laughs> Bob. I okay. I gotta pick something here. You know, a lot of people like the finale, but I've never liked that, e- even as a kid. I just didn't get it. I yeah, mean, I didn't
1: even consider that.
3: The silent comedians did that stuff so much better. I I don't understand why anybody likes that. Um there are a few things I like in the film. I like Chico and Groucho getting drunk. But I guess I'm gonna go with the opening. Uh it's a, it's a nice traditional comedy scene. Uh the casual fan seems to like it. And, you know, it's well done, so Why not? Uh, I mean, unless you're going to let me go with the Copacabana Go West number, uh, maybe I can fool (laughs) people into thinking it's from this film.
1: Well, you you theoretically could, but I don't really like that much either, to be honest. I'm not sure it's all that great, really. I think we're we're really just so grateful for it in that film. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No
2: I seriously considered riding the range uh, for the reasons that you cite, Matthew. Um, I I do enjoy that number, and I guess I probably enjoy it more than any other, you know, extended kind of minutes long piece of Go West. it's It has really almost nothing to do with the Marx Brothers, and it doesn't even try to be funny. Uh, but it's pleasant and charming and unusual, and it has uh, all three Marx Brothers in it performing a song uh, together, and that's nice. Uh, but, and it looks very pretty, doesn't it? It's not, it's not yeah. very often that you see them in natural light.
1: Very and they're, true. In, they're in waning natural light there, and it, it does mm-hmm. look very nice.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of like it, um, but at, just for the reason you cite, Matthew, I thought, well, if I'm not including hooray for Captain Spaulding or I'm against it or the laws of my administration, I really can't justify it, or even Lydia, I, I really can't put riding the range in this compilation. Mm-hmm. Then I thought, well, what about one line? If it's just one line, does that count as a scene? <laughs> I, I do like it. <laughs> I do like when Groucho says, time wounds all heals. Um, but I thought, yeah, that's not enough. It has to be at least an exchange, at least two lines to count as a scene. Uh, so I, I went with the opening. Um, I agree ah. with everything you say, Matthew. It, is, uh, it doesn't stand out to me as a Marx Brothers masterpiece, um, nor does it particularly make me laugh. But um, it is, after all, a comedy scene.
1: Mm, uh, well okay <laughs>
3: I was thinking about using the uh, the end title <laughs> <laughs> i not sure yes at that, that point a- of film, yeah. <laughs> definitely
1: right yes so uh, Big Store and Bob
3: this actually was pretty easy for me um, I like the film well enough it's pleasant it's humorous I don't think it's great I don't find any scene great so what I needed to find was something unique and there is one unique uh, scene in the film. And it's Harpo's harp solo. And I needed a harp solo. So that was my choice. And that's all I have to say about it.
2: Yeah, And Noah? Uh, I chose the piano duet
3: from the big store.
2: Um, partly because it's so charming and funny. It, all, it always puts a smile on my face. Just the sight of Harpo and Chico together at the keyboard. Uh, that's lovely. It reminds me of their vaudeville days. Um, And since I already have a Chico's piano solo in this list, um, I chose his solo from At the Circus. So it's not a problem that Harpo is kind of
3: impinging on Chico's uh, specialty here. Well, now you've made me feel like a moron for saying there was only one unique scene in the film. (laughs) I probably should have chosen that one, but uh, I guess I needed a harp solo anyhow. So this is the one that
1: I felt the most guilty about because this is the one where I most went against mm. my rule of of not including something because it should be there for the sake of it when there are much better examples of it elsewhere. Um, before I had modified um, horse feathers and gone with whatever it is. I'm against it. I did have Sing While well, You Sell down as my first choice. I knew that, uh, people would never stand for it, that there would be mass walkouts in the cinema at that point. Um, yeah. that the, all, all the preview cards would, would come back saying, you know, what, what sing while well you sell. Are you people insane? This film deserves to, to die. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I changed my mind. Um, and then I'm afraid it did occur to me that I hadn't accommodated a harp solo anywhere else. So even though I don't like it very much, I don't really like seeing him in that, in that costume and mugging to those mirrors. Um, we do have to have a harp solo. There won't be any more coming up. I haven't allowed for one before, so I'm afraid I did also go for Harpo's harp solo there. And again, at least visually, it does break the film up a bit. It's something a bit different. But we would have to cut before uh, the end when he discovers it's a dream. What? 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 (laughs) (laughs) What? Or a nightmare. It's not a deal
3: breaker. <laughs> well, I like it too, but I, it's not like I stayed awake for the whole thing. <laughs> um,
2: Night in Casablanca and Noah. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Night in Casablanca. Uh, there's some interesting choices here. I, I, I thought about this one at some length before landing on what I think most people probably would cite as their favorite scene. Um, and it was an example of one on this list that I chose just because I, I do think it's truly the strongest. It's Groucho and the Smythes in the lobby of the hotel. Um, that's an excellent scene. And I think it would fit, at just as you say, that the uh, uh, strong man's room in Circus would fit right into one of the Paramounts. Uh, Groucho and the Smythes, that really... Could be coconuts, uh, it, you know. I think yeah. it's paramount, strong. It's fast, it's funny, um, and and for me a fairly easy choice. Although I do really like the in and out of rooms scene in Night in Casablanca, Groucho uh, attempting a seduction and and being interrupted by Harpo and Chico. Uh, they pull that mm-hmm. off really well in this film. Uh, but narrow, not well, not particularly narrowly. I went with uh, the Smythes.
0: Mister Smythe or Smith. This is a family hotel, and I suggest you take your business elsewhere. Sir, this lady is my wife. You should be ashamed. If this lady is your wife, you should be ashamed. You'll hear from me. Do that, even if it's only a postcard. Sir, my attorneys will be here in the morning. Yeah, well, they won't get a room either unless they got a marriage license.
1: And I think even, even as I nominate a different one, I'm, I am coming round to that, actually, as, as the most likely answer. I mean, I think... I went into this thinking that there was I I I was naturally going to choose a lot of verbal stuff over visual stuff, and wherever possible, I should maybe slightly favour um, the visual. Um, and in actual fact, I, I wonder if I've if I've maybe gone too far in that direction. And and the Smythes after that piano, uh, sorry, after the harp solo. Is just what we need here. Um, instead, I, I did go visual and bearing in mind that I had turned down the stateroom and I turned down the adjoining rooms in coconuts, I went for the vanishing ballroom. Um, Groucho trying to dance on a, on a ballroom that is rapidly being eaten up by tables with, with Chico and Harpo, which is, I think is, is probably their last really funny, um, uh, you know, visual, uh, visual comic idea uh, and a scene that I always enjoy very much, but not a scene that, that, that tends to come to mind much. Um, it's not, it's not an an enshrined classic, uh, but it's one that I, that I find people always uh, are slightly surprised by and enjoy. So I went with The Vanishing Ballroom, but I'm thinking about those Smythes now. <laughs>
3: Bob. I ran into the sort of the same situation here that I did in monkey business and that I like bits and pieces more than I do entire scenes here. Um, At one point I was thinking of using the, uh, the taste tester scene in Groucho's office with, the, with yep. the food that sort of seemed like a nice self-contained scene. But in the end I felt bad. I think, like, no, my, my, my favorite thing is the with the Smythes in the lobby and actually starting it a hair earlier when they, the scene starts with Groucho at the front desk and, uh, he has a nice he has a little exchange with somebody on the phone. So, you know, it's it's short, it's sweet, but there's no need to not include something because it's not long enough. As my wife always says. <laughs>
1: uh right. So so I'm 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 thinking, yeah, I'm I'm actually gonna in fact I'm gonna I'm gonna do something I've not done until now. I'm gonna officially change my vote. So that's that's three for the Smythes. Three votes for the Smithes. Uh and now on to, to Love Happy and, and what a profusion of riches. Um <laughs> It's it's the last film, so I mean the finale is the only thing really. I mean, if I didn't already have a harp solo, I might be very, very guiltily thinking well, maybe you go for the harp solo but but then who the hell wants to end a film on a harp solo even go west doesn't quite end on the harp solo <laughs> it's uh, it's way too late but it doesn't quite do that um, so I, I think I think we are limited really to, to the finale um, I'd be interested to, to hear any any kind of dissent from that um, it needs a lot of editing uh, it needs to be cut right down um, a lot of it is boring Chico's not in it much and Groucho is making a bit of an ass of himself getting into that funnel and vibrating and so on isn't he um Mm -hmm. so so I think we need to absolutely chop it down to the to the the bare minimum best stuff of Harpo going up and down on the horse and uh, and blowing out smoke and so on um it's still it feels outrageous to me to have turned down the finale of night at the opera to have turned down the finale of duck soup uh, in exchange for this but but uh, i'm afraid this really was the point when i when i thought what else is there so uh, a heavily edited version of the roof chase all right no
2: uh, I did choose the harp solo uh, from Love Happy, I um, uh, uh, partly because I had such a hard time f- thinking of anything else to choose. The thing that floated through your head, Matthew, very much floated through mine, too, which is, well, it would be a strange way to end this, um, <laughs> to stick a harp solo at the end. <laughs> Um, but I came around to it partly out of desperation, partly out of uh, looking at the actual harp solo in Love Happy, and it is actually quite lovely. Um, it takes place in Central Park, and in, in what is obviously visually Central Park. Um, he's playing to an audience, to a woman, which is, you know, there's a sweetness to that. And then I also started thinking, well, if the last Marx Brothers movie was in fact a kind of stillborn harpo solo vehicle and given the angelic or celestial uh associations we have with harpo's harp playing uh maybe that is the right way to end this you know we've been on this comedy roller coaster all night all these highlights from all of their greatest work um maybe we should bring and go west (laughs) you know and go west too you know, every, rock bands tend to know you end a concert with a ballad, you mm-hmm. end with something slow, send everyone home, not not raging with, uh, um, you know, a thrasher, but uh, bring it down, Just play them a lullaby at the end. Mm-hmm. So for those reasons, um, I went with the harp solo and love happy.
1: With the credits already rolling, or
2: well, that's interesting. Yeah, unless we uh, go with Bob's notion of playing Lydia under the credits, but mm-hmm. sure, you could you could run the credits over that harp solo. That would be a way to deal with it.
1: You've you've sold that to me in, to a degree that I wouldn't have previously thought possible. Um, you you make some very persuasive points there, and if Bob has has something similar to say, I may well yield again, Bob.
3: Well, I got a two prong answer. Yeah. First of all. When you say the Marx Brothers some love happy to somebody, what's the first thing they're going to think of? That penguin. Okay, the second thing. (laughs) Second thing. Uh, The mobile horse.
1: The Sadie Thompson number.
3: (laughs) Uh, Close. Sardines. First thing people are going to think of is Marilyn Monroe. Yes. It's just as funny as anything in the film. Groucho is actually pretty decent in there.
0: Is there anything I can do for you? What a ridiculous statement.
3: Mr. Grinion, I want you to help me.
0: I have a little sand left. What seems to be the trouble?
3: Some men are following me.
0: Really? I can't understand why.
3: And obviously that doesn't feel like it's the end to this type of film. So I am breaking rank here. I'm using my... um, my leverage, and I am saying I am only doing this film if I can include one more scene. And since we started this uh, compilation with something that's p- not part of their official thirteen film canon, we're going to end with something that's not part of it either. And that is, I'm going all, I'm jumping all the way to the incredible jewel robbery, and I'm going to use a little two pieces from here, which I'm going to edit together. First of all, I'm going to show the actual jewel robbery itself. Was actually has a couple little laughs, you know, and it's from the middle of the show. Harpo is dressed up as Groucho, and it's sort of funny when Chico comes in and tries arresting him and handcuffing him. We go from that, and then I'm going to go to the end with a police lineup with uh, Groucho appearing, the duck coming down, and the end. I, I can't imagine a more fitting end to the uh, Marxist career than that, unless we want to use uh, some stuff of Deputy Sheriff with Chico forgetting a line. So, <laughs> so I'm ending with the... Uh, <laughs> with the incredible jewel robbery, yeah. okay well <laughs> with the end with the end scene
1: seeing as as i went out on a limb and and have always argued f- for that being considered the 14th film um i um I, I may well have to yield to that uh are we allowed to do that Noah? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're the ep you could do what you want <laughs> It's your show, Matthew, and I, I think Bob makes an excellent point that, hmm. that makes the whole thing bookended by semi-canonical short pieces.
1: And I think there is certainly something to be said for—I I, mean—and if the if the the very very end of Love Happy had been what it should have been, which is the, the three brothers on the roof leaving together, um, hmm. then then I, I would have been content with that. But. Mm-hmm. because it isn't um i think it, it it would be nice to to have them all together for that for that payoff wouldn't it and there aren't any other options it, it is a shame zeppo's not in the lineup it is a shame that uh that when when the end comes down it's not attached to a marmon clamp that would have been a good uh
2: <laughs>
1: a good little cameo but um or frank yeah. sinatra's <laughs> <and> fist
2: <laughs>
1: uh very yeah a persuasive argument there from from Bob Gasell, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna go and uh, I'm not gonna go anywhere. I'm gonna sit here and uh, draw up the the final uh, the final list. In the meantime, is there anything else, boys, uh, that you wanted to throw in this time?
2: I, I had been thinking that if we if one were to sit down and actually watch this compilation film. If, if, for example, we knew a gifted film editor who might put it together, it would be very interesting to watch it with the chronological requirement, because we would see them age over the course of the evening. And that's something we normally take in stride. Um, you know, when you watch the older films, you know, you might register in the early scenes like, oh yeah, they're getting along in years in this one. Mm-hmm. But then it sort of clicks into normalcy and you, you accept it. You don't think about that for the rest of the film. Uh, but it would be interesting to sit down and over the course of an hour or two, watch them go from those extremely youthful guys in their forties. <laughs> and late Mm -hmm. 30s in Coconuts, uh, all the way to 1949 and and Love Happy. There might be something, an extra Mm -hmm. sort of moving aspect to that.
3: Obviously, if we were doing a documentary about the team, you'd have to put these scenes in chronological order. But in a compilation like this, you'd have to be freaking out of your mind (laughs) to do it in order because all the great stuff would be in the first half of the film. And you just can't do that. You'd want to end with, like, the rousing finale of Duck Soup or Night at the Opera. So, you know, if we were doing the film the right way, we would not be doing it in chronological order, and we'd we'd be picking different scenes from some of these films, and we'd have a much better product. And who knows? We might even forget to put something in from Go West at all.
1: So, who knows? Okay, right. We have have the final running order, and I've... I've tried to combine here um selfless accommodation with uh blatant fascism, so we've but <laughs> <laughs> right so so striking striking a happy medium between between uh rolling over backwards and stamping down my boot uh coconuts' we'll, okay we'll go for that opening we'll go for them all coming in um animal crackers I'm sticking with the soiree and chico's piano solo. And I'm sticking with the passports for monkey business. Um, and I'm sticking with whatever it is I'm against it for horse feathers. Uh, Mm. but here, here things take a turn. Um, the mirror scene we're going to have for duck soup. Uh, the contract scene we're going to have for night at the opera because I no longer have wire duck at the, at the start and we need, we need some groucho and chico. So we're going to go for the, the contract scene. Uh my most conciliatory gesture as far as races is concerned is it's a three-way tie. I I really don't mind. It can be either um the gymod examination or the phone call or flow. Um I I'm happy I'm happy for any of those. Um let's go for for eating for room service. Let's go for the strong man's cabin for uh circus. I'm going to allow the opening scene of Go West. Why not? Um I'm gonna stick with the harp solo for the big store. And then we will have a fast fade out that consists of The Smythes and Marilyn and The
3: Incredible Jewel Robbery.
1: And there's our film. Pretty good.
3: And I timed out my version of it. It's it's only like about an hour and ten minutes, so it doesn't need to be particularly long. Mm-hmm.
1: With commercials, it'll be ninety minutes, you know, on telly.
3: I didn't get a, a Gracho Chico scene in there. I felt, you know, I guess
1: right. we've we've taken care of it for you. Yeah, thank you.
3: <laughs> thank you.
2: <laughs> well, I have to say, I feel better about the the resulting list that you've just delivered, Matthew, than I did about my list uh, that I entered this conversation mm-hmm. with. So, our three minds did lead to a, a, <laughs> a, a, I think, a pretty good a pretty good version.
3: It had it. to happen someday. <laughs> and I've got. I, I've decided I'm a narrator. Ah, Gene Kelly. Matthew will not know. No, I might surprise you. Kristen Shaw. Never heard of him.
2: Ah. <laughs> oh. Okay. Her? yeah. She, that's. huh Never heard of him Yes. <laughs> She's a so, uh, very funny comedian. But why? Why Kristen Shaw, Bob?
3: I just find her an eminently likable. And too. her 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 voice makes you want to pay attention.
1: Yeah, it has to be an attractive voice. I mean, if, if we're actually going to take this idea seriously, um, you you have to you have to imagine it being, uh, being watched by somebody who doesn't know the person. So any association yeah. you have with them, visually or in mm-hmm. terms of what they normally do, you have to take away and just listen to that voice. So uh, yeah. if she's right. if she's got a good voice, then uh, I'll I'll consider her. Tell her to send in her okay. resume. And <laughs> no, the only other one
3: I considered was uh, Bill Hader, who never heard ah, of him. obviously okay.
2: I thought an interesting choice might be John Turturro. He has this slight connection because of brain donors. Uh, You know, he he played the Groucho-like role in brain donors, um, though not in a Groucho voice. Uh, But he has a very good voice. He would make an excellent narrator and he's a slightly offbeat sound. Um, You know, it's not a traditional uh, Gary Owens kind of narrator voice.
1: My choice. I don't know if we'd get him, but is is Jay Hopkins available?
2: Oh,
3: of course. <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that was that was almost fun. Uh, before <laughs> before we wrap up, are there is any other business?
3: Yeah, I got a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, last month before we did our show, Bob Weedy told me that. Sales of his DVD would not be affected by the podcast, that he's tried promoting it before, but nothing has worked. But guess what? Uh, According to Bob, sales have exploded since (laughs) uh, we did the podcast with him. So that's good news. And I'm guessing sales of his iconic uh, directed by Robert B. Weedy t-shirt have also gone up. Well, they've gone up by at least one because I myself have bought one.
1: Which you're not wearing.
3: Well, I am. I was wearing it when we were supposed to record the other day, but you didn't show up. <laughs> after, so. <laughs> so. Uh, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> also, wanna if you got, if you haven't heard, there will be a new Blu-ray coming out this December with. Uh, a night in Casablanca, we know nothing oh, yeah. else. We don't know anything about special features, if it's been restored, whether we're doing the commentary track. We have no <laughs> further info on any of that, so don't ask. <laughs> Maybe ask the uh, if you could find online, if you could find the company releasing it and ask if we're doing the commentary track. Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll let you know.
1: Yeah. Tell them that you will only buy it if we do, and yeah. if we don't, that you will boycott it and urge all other consumers to to boycott it. Hey, uh, you've got some news, haven't you, Noah?
2: I do. Uh, Members of the group uh, are probably aware that I have uh, recently begun making noise about this upcoming project um, called Home Again, the Marx Brothers and New York City. Uh, I assume many of our listeners will be aware of Fredonia Marksonia, which is an annual Marx Brothers Festival held in the town of Fredonia, New York, um, on the campus of SUNY Fredonia, and at a beautiful uh, venue called the 1891 Fredonia Opera House, which is also in that town. Uh, it's a beautiful little place in upstate New York. So this year I was supposed to again appear at the festival and be their featured speaker. But of course, like all other in-person events this year, uh, it has been changed to a virtual festival. And so Cindy Yocum, who is the reference librarian at uh, SUNY Fredonia and runs the Marxonia Festival, she asked if I would put together a live streaming program in lieu of my in person appearance. And of course, I was happy to do that among other things. It's available to everyone. You don't have to go to upstate New York to see it. Um, so this will be a multimedia experience, live streaming for free on the evening of October 2nd, which is of course the 130th birthday of Groucho Marx. So there's information about this uh, in the council group at my website, noahdiamond.com and Fredonia Marxonia itself has a website, which you can find by Googling Fredonia Marksonia and get all the information. Uh, But it'll be a terrific time. I've particularly enjoyed over the last couple of months putting this piece together. It has tons of media in it, lots of sounds and film and new sequences. It's also led me, for the first time since the pandemic began, to uh, go back to my old habits of walking around New York City and looking at things. And I've been filming and photographing some Marx-related locations around the city so that I'll be able to give you a kind of virtual tour and it's included a couple of Marx Brothers landmarks that, believe it or not, I had never gotten around to visiting. So there's a couple of pieces of uh, geography in this presentation uh, that are uh, as new to me as they might be to anyone else. Um, anyway, you can count on me to continue making noise about this between now and the first week in October. Uh, but I think it'll really be a good time. And if you care about the Marx Brothers, I encourage you to tune in. The evening of October 2nd, evening meaning New York time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, So please join us for that. And please, uh, until then, tolerate my endless plugging of Home Again, the Marx Brothers and New York City.
1: And I dare say we'll put some relevant links on the... uh... On the, yeah the, the
2: page itself. sounds good oh i should also mention there are contributions from members of the council there are uh some visual as well as audio elements in it that uh that have been uh extracted from uh, some members of our group and members of the larger marx brothers community so it is also a collaborative project in some ways and uh, there's some nice surprises in that department too
3: yeah i got one last piece of news here um You know, last month we did that very well-received podcast about the making of the Marx Brothers in a Nutshell documentary, and we thought it would be only fair to give equal time to the other well-known Marx Brothers documentary, The Unknown Marx Brothers. So we have contacted uh, one of the producers, John Scheinfeld, and he has expressed interest in joining us in an upcoming episode. So look forward to that, and you might want to pick up that documentary as well. And you know what? Uh, Both those documentaries work well together. They're not competition. They're not covering the same ground. So we'll get them both. And uh, that's about it.
2: And anyone else out there who might be thinking about making a Marx Brothers documentary, (laughs) keep this in mind. Well, the
3: guy who should be making one might be joining us next month. But we might be going out on a limb here uh, promoting it because we have no idea whether he will be able to get online. But Mr. John Tefteller has committed uh, to joining us, and he, has, hey, he yes. has told us he has told us his son will get him online, but we'll <laughs> we'll believe that when it happens. So, <laughs> while you might want to pencil John Tefteller in for our next <laughs> podcast, do not use a pen.
1: He will be coming by the the miracle of wax cylinder. Uh, Right, so that's, uh, I think that's as far as we can go. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed it, you know what to do. If you didn't enjoy it, you know what not to do. And we'll be back again very soon with with more of the same. Time for the final song, and uh, I've decided it should be this.
6: Mr. Grover, you are just a quack to me. Though I may insult you, don't talk back to me. We should have more harmony where discord now prevails. Luckily, I'm in command. Just watch me boost our sails. Bring on the girls. String up the band. Flywheel
7: in command. Mr. Flywheel, you say you're the man who will improve things. Won't you tell us, Mr. Wolf J, how then can we move? Flywheel, tell, tell us now, tell us how, tell us now. You gotta sing
6: while you sell,
7: sing while you sell.
6: Get that money in the till, give the customers a thrill. There's a way if you the will to sing while you sell. They'll buy no pen without your pen. Sell this weenie with Rossini. <laughs> and this beardie goes with Verdi. Yes, you'll make a lot of friends huh? if you'll sing a sweet cadenza you sing, Why you sell? Oh, the cotton was rotten away. Then I come to the South Salvation by putting on a hot sail and cotton today. Way down upon the Swanee River, that's where this cotton grows. First they pick it, yes they pick it, then the cotton, then they stick it, then Then they weave it into clothes and fancy holes. This jacket, svelte, is made of felt, but it feels more like a mat. If the felt should itch, you could make a switch and wear it for a hat. This is an American Navy girl. Every night, two sailors wait to convoy her home. This step-in gay is recheche and fits both slim and stout. Two smart affairs my lady wears, the step-in to step out. This is known as a California dress. On a clear night, you can see Catalina. This daring gown has stormed the town. Its lame will not crack. As a special offer, Phelps will proffer a free belt in the back. This is a bright red dress, but Technicolor is
0: so
7: expensive.
6: This Eton coat, right off the boat, of quality unbeaten, is the only cloth the cultured moth has never, ever eaten. I'd like to buy a bassinet, the one I have is scratched. You love our special bassinet with a lullaby attached.
7: Rockabye baby on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will A-throw. Rock it, baby rock a baby On the treetop When the wind blows Woo! Your little cradle will rock whoa, rock rocket When the bow breaks The cradle will fall Down, oh, come my baby My baby, my little baby Don't oh, come my baby baby in the cradle and oh, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, close your eyes and go to sleep, oh mammy, first single sing a lullaby, lullaby. We've
6: cut the price of rugs in half, we've cut our rugs today. There's a rug sale on in a rug salon where we're cutting rugs in
4: a solid way.
5: Brothers Council Podcast is hosted by Matthew Conium, Noah Diamond, and Bob Gasell, and is produced and edited by Bob Gasell. If you enjoyed the show, please show your support by leaving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. Matthew Conium's books, The Annotated Marx Brothers and That's Me Groucho, The Solo Career of Groucho Marx, are published by McFarland. Noah Diamond's book, Give Me a Thrill, The Story of All Say She Is, The Lost Marx Brothers Musical, is published by Beer Manor Media. Both can be found at major book outlets. Please visit our website at marxbrotherscouncilpodcast.com. Also, look for us on Twitter. And for the place to talk Marx and meet fellow fans, join us on the lively Marx Brothers Council Facebook group. This is Heidi Gissel. We'll see you next time.